In the beginning was the word. Oh, I see. You think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and molly cuddles, huh? It's just You think Jesus was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Darrow Miller. Now, I've only just met Darrow, but I've heard great things about him. Uh, he's authored a number of books. He's travelling around the world speaking. Uh, he's done lecturing for YWAM, Youth with a Mission, for years, and uh, really has uh, an amazing ministry uh, around the world. It's a blessing to have you on History Makers, mate. Welcome. Thank you very much, Matt. It's good to be here. Firstly, uh, how are we treating you in Australia? Do you like our country? Are we nice to you? You're nice, and it's a beautiful country. Yeah, good. From what I've seen so far. so Good. And what part of the States do you live in? Southwest uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. near the Grand Canyon. People have probably heard of the Grand Canyon, and it's yep. our state. The beautiful spot over there. Evidence of God's creation, huh? Very much so. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Now, uh, Darrow, let's find out a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, you came to Christ uh, as an, uh, a young teenager. Tell us what your upbringing was like, and how did you come to Christ? I grew up in uh, Southern California in Los Angeles. Uh, spent a lot of time at the beach. was a beach boy. And uh, when I was 13 years old, a man who was an ex-convict named Cass Shrive shared the gospel with me and uh, led me in the, the sinner's prayer. And I became a Christian at age 13. So. And did uh, your family notice? Did your friends notice? Was it a big change in your life? There was a change in my life internally. Uh, I wouldn't say I came from a, a family that was uh, not Christian, and uh, they thought what was happening was kind of strange. <laughs> but uh, hmm. I was never discipled, Yeah, just led to the Lord. And it was um, 18, I was 18 before I got involved with people who discipled me. Okay, Got involved in an evangelical church when I was 18, mm-hmm. got involved with uh, Young Life and Campus Crusade, mm-hmm. and it was at that point in my life where I was discipled and began to grow in Christ. Ah, good. And what kind of work did you do around then? After college, I worked in building construction and uh, worked with my hands, but my real heart turned out to be in, in ministry and had a real heart to uh, be engaged with the poor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how did you get into ministry after that? Probably uh, two events that uh, really shaped my life. One, uh, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to go to Mexico City with a group of uh, short-term missionaries, spent six uh, weeks living and working in an orphanage, and for the first time in my life, I saw poverty. Many of us have seen poverty in pictures and newspapers, which I had done, but uh, seeing poverty firsthand, uh, it broke my heart. I saw people living in houses uh, made out of trash. I saw children uh, rummaging through piles of garbage looking for things of value. And uh, you might as well have taken me to another planet. Having grown up in Southern California in a middle-class neighborhood, uh, it was like you'd taken me to another planet, and my heart was broken. And that, that became a milestone in my life. A few years later, I was married, and my wife and I had an opportunity to study in Switzerland with Francis Schaeffer at Labrie Fellowship. 
And I'll never forget uh, the night I, we were staying in the home of a German lawyer named Udo Middleman. And uh, one night Udo said to me, you know, Daryl, Christianity's true, even if you don't believe it. And I said, what? And he said, Christianity's true, even if you don't believe it. And I had been taught to that point in my life uh, that it was true because I believed it. And this was a, a real uh, trial for me. What does it mean to be a Christian? didn't challenge my faith with Christ in Christ, but it challenged my concept of what it meant to be a Christian. So I had two sleepless nights and finally realized what Udo was saying. He was saying, Christianity is true even if no one in the world believes. And I realized that I had had a born-again heart and a pagan mind, and I needed to be born again again. So those two things were uh, the major uh, guiding points uh, to my life. Got involved in uh, student work, was a student pastor for a few years, became the pastor of a church, and then a good friend of mine asked if I would come and work at Food for the Hungry to help train young Christian as missionaries among the poor. Did that for almost 30 years. Now, you're out in Australia speaking at churches and seminars and conferences, etc. Um, what's the message that you're bringing, if we can unpack that a little bit? Uh, the importance of having a biblical worldview. Most Christians have uh, a dualistic worldview, what I call the sacred-secular syndrome. It's not biblical. It's very greek but we divide our world the way the Greeks did between the sacred, the spiritual realm, and the natural or secular realm. We're Christians on Sunday, but not on Monday. And we think in terms of our Christian faith, it's a private faith, it's me and Jesus, and... Um, our faith is, is a spiritual faith. I'm a Christian when I'm in Bible study and prayer meeting inside the walls of the church. And that's how we think of our faith. And yet Christ wants us, he wants the church to be engaged in the broader world. I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer that said that the church is only the church when she exists for others. And most churches today are inwardly focused focused on self, focused on being blessed, and yet the church has been created by Christ to engage the community. And so the message that I'm bringing and our Disciple Nations Alliance team is bringing is to call the church to be the church on Monday, to see um, the gospel brought to every area of life and every sector of society. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus gives the Great Commission, he says, we are to disciple nations. And yet very often when we ask pastors and church leaders, what's the Great Commission? They'll say, it's to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and save souls for heaven. And when you say, well, let's look at Matthew 28, what does it say? And they'll say it's to go into all the world, preach the gospel, save souls for heaven, and plant churches. And I'll say, that's not the Great Commission. 
It may be the beginning of the Great Commission, but it's not the end of the Great Commission. The end of the Great Commission is seeing nations transformed. And the church is God's primary instrument for the transformation of nations. So as I travel around the world, now here to Australia, that is the heart of the message uh, that we're bringing. And practically, how does it look? How does a a church get involved in seeing a nation transformed? By individual Christians recognizing that they have been made for a purpose, that the mission of the church is not for professional missionaries. It's for each Christian, wherever God has deployed them. So if you're a businessman, are you a businessman for making money to live in a big house? Or is the thing that guides your life the coming of the kingdom of God? And you begin to ask the question, how do I align my business with the coming of the kingdom of God? So that the work that I do on Monday is contributing to the advancement of the coming of the kingdom of God. And people in every sector of society, every, every Christian needs to be asking that question. A story that I've been telling recently is of the Enron uh, scandal or the collapse of Enron. Most people have heard of that. And Enron collapsed shortly after 9-11. And I have a good friend from India named Vishal Mangalawadi. And Vishal observed that the collapse of Enron was more significant for the United States than the attack on 9-11. 9-11 was an external attack. Enron was a symptom of what's going on in the United States, the moral and spiritual decline of the West. And the man that led the company was an evangelical Christian. Ken Lay was his name. Went to church on Sunday. People, I'm sure, in his church looked at him and said, here's a godly man. But he was a Christian on Sunday, not on Monday. There was a division in his life between the sacred and the secular. And he, he went to work on Monday, and what was he asking? How can I make the most money as quickly as possible? And he did it. He created a, an incredible scheme for doing that, and it was corrupt. But there was no relationship between his faith and his work. And I think when you ask, you know, how do, we, how do we see a nation transformed? It's by Christians taking seriously the fact that they are Christians, not just in the walls of the church, not just in prayer meetings, but they take seriously the fact that they're a Christian in the workplace, in the marketplace, in civic society. So instead of that Greek sacred versus secular mindset, do you teach more of a Hebrew slash Jesus mindset, uh, view of the kingdom of God? Very definitely. And if you think of, we mentioned the, the Greek mind as the sacred and secular separation, and the Greeks were interested in knowing the truth. And we're very much interested in that in the evangelical world today. We want to know the truth. The Hebrews were more concerned with doing the truth, not just knowing it. But again, we have a Greek mind and not a biblical mind. Truth is to be applied. 
the early church conquered Rome because the word became flesh through the lives of the Christians. We talk about the word becoming flesh in Christ. And this is the core of the word becoming flesh. But it wasn't to end with Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And the word is to be fleshed out in the lives of Christians. The early church was born in the Roman world, and one of the virtues of the Roman world was cruelty. People who've seen the passion of the Christ or the gladiators have seen Rome in all her glory. And cruelty was a virtue. Compassion was a vice. Compassion was a sign of weakness. The early church knew that God was a God of compassion. So they knew that they needed to live compassionately in a broken world. But when you live compassionately in a broken world and the world sees compassion as a vice, that's the kind of aggressive, revolutionary life that we all need to be living, leading and living today. Now, there might be people listening that um, aren't Christians. They might be thinking, okay, this guy's talking about Christ, he's talking about the kingdom, he's talking about, uh, you know, God, and, you know, they might want to, you know, connect with God or, you know, become a Christian. Would you speak to those listeners about how they would do that? It's very simple. Uh, first, you need to recognize, believe that God exists, acknowledge that he exists, and that you as a person, have been in rebellion against him, have been running from him, are separated from him, and come to him and, and plead, God, I come to you as a sinner, and I know that Christ has died on the cross for my sin, and simply ask him to forgive them of their sin and for Christ to come into their life. So if if there are listeners tonight or today that don't know Christ, the barriers between us and God have been removed by Jesus Christ. And it's very simple to come to God in faith and thank him for the work of Christ on their behalf. That's good news, mate. And uh, if people would like to respond to that and, you know, maybe even find out more about your ministry or, um, you know, some of the books you've authored, uh, what's the best website for them to go to? There's two websites, uh, www.disciplenations.org. That's disciplenations.org. And www.mondaychurch.org. Okay. Two websites of our of our ministry and work. Wonderful. And we'll have the links to those websites at historymakersradio.com if you'd like to look those up as well. Well, Darrow, mate, I reckon uh, you're a history maker and uh, it's a blessing to have you out here in Australia. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Matt, very much. God bless. Thank you. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com and also you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week. History Makers.